0: everybody welcome back to the fin factor I'm Paul and I'm Aaron this is episode number 168 Aaron uh, we've got a couple uh, big pieces of news here okay longtime fans of the show this is breaking breaking news it just happened um, longtime fans of the show are gonna get this reference but um I have new shoes so there you go <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> they're not white no they're not white yeah the, wow. the white ones literally had holes so uh, did you, uh, I, I had to i had to buy new ones just did your kids help
1: you pick them out what's that did your kids help you pick them out yeah
0: no i just went bought the same exact thing but in gray they lasted for years so i'm very happy with them thank you so much um however the other bit of news here is that we have a fan of the show actually somebody who's watched it and, and just talked with us we've wanted to have him on uh previously but we just couldn't sync things up but we've got him now graham montgomery uh from dauber prospects is joining us later on in the show so if you guys are interested in prospect talk he's the man and uh he will certainly be able to give you uh, all the information that you're looking for oh my goodness did paul get a new laptop they want to know evening boys peter st john he always opens with evening boys how you doing peter st john but no i did not get a new a new laptop uh nick i've uh what i got was a usb uh splitter so i can plug things into multiple usbs with the one that i have there you go paul's a tech whiz probably built one like macgyver oh no come on yeah Apple, come it's on. full of duct tape and <laughs> bubble them holding it together <laughs> you know actually aaron i told you already uh-huh. this stuff. i this is what i had a problem with my with my camera i had to use this literally these tools uh to fix that today uh so yeah i guess you could say i macgyvered it just a little bit um but anyway hey uh it, it's it's great to be back we're going to be talking a little bit of sharks hockey obviously again uh looking forward to the uh, prospect talk a little bit later on we we'll talk with graham uh, again he's a guy that's showed up all the time in the chat uh what was it graham slam yeah yeah graham slam was the name of you guys in the chat i remember seeing that name that's the guy uh so he'll be uh, he'll be right there with us can't wait to get to that okay aaron uh let's go ahead and just kick it off here uh the sharks anaheim a four or five overtime loss gosh even in the division when we lose and you're thinking cool we're gonna gain some ground uh for the uh the Connor bedard sweepstakes we still get a point and we do it against the team that we're racing to the bottom with
1: i know it's it's sad i almost wish it was a regulation loss but um it went to overtime so both teams get at least i got one point so it's kind of weird in the standings but um yeah the game was weird uh LeBanc was credited with two goals and then they reviewed both of them and they were both given to Timo Meier for tipping him <laughs> just slightly. So poor Lebanque, man, he's still getting his points, but he's not getting his goals. Um, but both of those goals, I mean, assuming they were lebanque he, he sniped one from, I think almost the blue line when he first entered in the, in the zone. And then the other one was, uh, um, was it a one-timer from the point? Um, not quite the point. He was a little bit closer. I think, uh, kind of like um, a faraway slot area, kind of in between mm-hmm. that, a tweener between the slot and the <laughs> and the blue line. But um, man, he's he's feeling it. He's feeling confident. He's feeling good. And uh, is looking good and is scoring his points. Now, defensively, he still kind of does his brain fart stuff. Like one of the, I think it was, um, was it that game? Or I think it was the Boston game. That's the one where Marshawn just burned him. But we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, yeah, this is a weird game because the... Anaheim Ducks tied the game kind of late in the third period on a blatant to me it looked blatant offsides. Yes. Um it looked like that to the coaches they challenged it and they reviewed it and they said it was a good goal and so then the Sharks have to go on the penalty kill. Yeah. It's kind of weird, right?
0: So so but do you, do you understand why it was offsides?
1: Uh was it because they couldn't it was video inconclusive video evidence
0: so what what happened? I, I believe that was the final call but really what they were looking at the thing that they're looking at okay the thing they're looking at is did the player who was carrying the puck across the line actually make contact with the puck after it had crossed the line so the puck can go into the zone if you're not touching it you're still on uh, on side right you're on the other side of the blue line in the neutral zone the other guy can still be in the offensive zone, as long as he tags up before you touch the puck, even though it's entered the zone. So I think a lot of people were really confused on that one. Even I saw it and I'm going, I mean, the, the only thing I think they might be reviewing is did Sveshnikov not allow the guy to have an opportunity to get back across the line? And is that some sort of a weird rule that I'm unaware of potentially? Uh, but no, it, really what it came down to was just did he make contact with the puck? And it was deemed either that he didn't or that it was inconclusive, as you say. So I'm not sure what the actual ruling was at the end of the day, but I, at least I understand what they were looking at. And so for anybody who was confused, that is what they were looking at was, did that player touch the puck after it had entered the blue line while his teammate was still in the offensive zone, and either they couldn't figure it out or he didn't. So uh, <laughs> this is also something that happened to leave – something with Colorado in the playoffs, was it not?
1: Yeah, there was a um... – this is like the whole reason they made the rules because of that um, wasn't reviewable at the time.
0: One of the very few rules that they've made because not because of sharks.
1: That was, a, yeah, it was a blatant <laughs> outside in the playoff game. And I think it was a game deciding goal too. So it was just, it was a lot where everyone's like all up in arms about it. Like, Oh, we should do something about it. And so then they allowed it to be reviewable. So yeah, during the playoffs, they, they scored something. Um, I was going to say something else too. Um and now I forgot what it is. Well, let
0: me say real quick while you're thinking about that. Noah Claxton <laughs> over here says, uh, Lebank playing like he wants to get traded. Nice to see. You. I do want to go back to LeBanc really quick as you brought up, uh, you know, him shooting and basically getting two goals that were very, very slightly tipped. And then it kind of goes to Timo instead. But I think the main takeaway here is yes, they were assists, not goals, but how did he get it? It wasn't him making a pass, right? Um, it was him firing pucks at the net. It was him acting like a shooter. And someone else got in the way of it and stole the goal from him. But whatever, right? So, but if he was doing the things that I think are what's going to make Kevin LeBanc successful. And if being successful ultimately means, as who uh, as Noah had said, you know, he gets traded. Hey, man, good for you, right? And I think that w- wouldn't be such a bad situation for the Sharks either. You know, you get a lot of money off the books now that it really matters, but um, y- you get an asset back in return for a guy who you're not going to take him anywhere in the playoffs this season, right? So it wouldn't even be such a bad thing for him to to find his way out of San Jose as well. We've talked about a lot of the other guys that were brought in, veterans that were brought in in the off season, almost specifically so that they could play for a year and then get traded, get some assets back, right? This is a guy who's been here for a while, needed to prove something, has changed his game just ever so slightly and is pulling the trigger more often. And it looks like it might be paying off for him, both on the stat sheet and in the eyes of other teams, GMs, potentially bringing him on board for a bit of a run there. So I gave you enough time to think about what you were trying
1: <laughs> to say. Go ahead. It was actually, it was a comment from Kellen Foster. He said, we made it. The Anaheim versus San Jose game is awesome. He lives, Kellen lives down in Anaheim. Um, I really don't like Vetrano, the race to the bottom, the battle for Bedard in the basement. Um, yeah. I was just pointing out that we had a fan of our show was at the actual game. Got to see it in person. Nice. Um, yeah. That, that, Oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, I tried to find a quote from, from Quinn after the game, because I'm sure he was pissed about it, right? Yeah. So I pull up, I pull up the video of um, the post game interview, and the question was asked, of course. Like the very first question was like, "Oh, that, you know, the goal was offside. Did you guys see it differently?" And he, and he all he says is, "No, yeah, <laughs> like no, we didn't see it differently." Um, and then they said, "Did the referee come over and give you an explanation about anything?" And he just goes, "Nope, we got nothing." So I couldn't even use it as a quote. It was so short. I was like, "Oh, wow, he was wow. obviously he's pissed, but he also can't." criticize or say anything because then he will get fined by the nhl absolutely so you, could tell, you could tell he was pissed you could tell he was gonna say something but he was holding back and didn't want to get himself into fine trouble well
0: ultimately the game does uh what it's intended to do it helps us get just a little bit lower in the standings um although again um you know you <laughs> you'd really like to uh just lose flat out lose if you're gonna <laughs> do that especially against the ducks here uh, so we, we inch closer uh, to, to the, the prize at hand there. But um, let's see, we got notes here for uh, McTavish and, and Zegris. Hey, you go ahead and you can talk about these guys.
1: I, I really sure. don't care about them. So. <laughs> well, my whole point on this this point here is that McTavish was third overall pick in 2021. Yeah. Um, Zegris was ninth overall in 2019. These are examples of some of the high-end talent that the Anaheim, because they've been terrible for seasons... Um, accumulated and why Anaheim is going to be a very good team because these two are anchored in their centers and uh, look very good. Um, I mean, McTavish had in this game, what did he have? He had two goals and two assists. So he had four, a four-point night for a 19-year-old, maybe 20-year-old. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Um, Zegers also had, uh, he only had his one goal, but um, he's a pivotal part of that team. A lot of it goes through him. So, this Ducks team is going to be scary good in probably another two, three seasons. It's similar to when the Sharks played Colorado in the playoffs the last time they were in the playoffs and they beat them and Makar showed up. It's like, oh my gosh, all of these, you could tell something was building in Colorado. And they're getting better and better. And of course, they won a cup uh, a couple seasons ago. So, um, or just last season. So, um, Anaheim is going to be a tough team. And now, if they do tank and they do get Bedard added to this list, this team will be lethal and Anaheim will be a deadly team. LA is kind of the same way. They've been retooling and, and accumulating some high-end draft picks. Seattle's another one that's going to have a good one-two punch down the center um, in a couple years, not yet. But the Pacific Division is not doing so well and are accumulating a lot of high-end assets that this is going to be a very tough division in about another three or four seasons.
0: Also of note in this game, Eric Carlson picks up uh, some points. So um, the streak continued 13 games, 14 games, right? Yeah, it was 14 games at that point. Um, However, that does come to an end the next game against Boston. Before we get to that, though, I do want to remind you guys, if you'd like to support the show, the best way to do that, uh, in my opinion, what I'd like you guys to do, retweet, share, get us out there to your Sharks friends and family, especially again, we've got Graham coming up talking prospects later on if you've got anybody in your little shark circle of friends there that would like to come and check that out and listen to this guy talk uh now would be a great time to do that so please get us out there um again like subscribe all those things do appreciate that especially you know again if you're not subscribed uh, hit that notification bell hit the subscribe button so that you know when we're doing this you can come on in here anytime every time you get the notification when we're doing it we love talking with you guys the more you know Super producer Jason's on point today. He's going to have some fun later on and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Uh, I've actually not seen the thing yet. You guys will see the thing a little bit later on. Uh, I'm looking forward to that regardless, moving on to the Boston game, Aaron. Um, what, what, what did you think about this game? I know you've got, you've got thoughts and I want to give you the floor here. So
1: Boston, away. Boston just is an elite team. This is the, the number one team. Again, we talked about this last week. They're playing Anaheim who is, Not the worst team, but they're towards the bottom. And then the absolute next night, back-to-back, they're playing Boston, who is the best team. They are now 32 wins, four losses, and four overtime losses on the season. That's it. Four regulation losses. That's insane. So, um, yes, this team is on fire. And, yes, they are good. And, yes, the Sharks did not look like they belong in the same tier as Boston. Now, having said that, um, they did tie the game. So the Sharks were able to come back, but those goals were practically fluke goals. One of them was, was it Ferraro's goal went off the back of a, of a guy standing in front of the net, the, uh, the Boston defender. So it was just like terrible luck. Um, it, it was just, yeah, anyway. So um, they I don't feel like this is a game that the Sharks, they were in it. It's not like they weren't in it, but I don't feel like they should have won this game just based on what, how good Boston is and how deep they are and how good that top line of Marshawn and um, Pasternak and Bergeron are just insane. They're so good. Um, Taylor Kearney here, echoing the
0: sentiments of many Sharks fans. Let's go (laughs) Niners, baby. Yes. (laughs) Taylor, thank you so much for the $2 super chat. If you guys want to go ahead and support the show uh, in other ways, uh, uh, monetarily, of course, you can do that just like Taylor did with the super chat function. You can also do that through Venmo at the Fin Factor if you don't want to do uh, through, through YouTube here. So, um, again, Taylor, thank you so much for supporting the show. It's $2 closer to my new laptop. I don't have to break out the super glue. And the, uh, the pliers and everything else. So, Oh, yeah. Obviously, thank you, Super Producer Jason, putting on the bottom of the screen. So, as a reminder, uh, visit the website, thefinfactor.com. You can get hats, shirts, um, canteen. What is that thing? It's a water bottle. Water, water bottle? bottle. I keep. I don't know why I can't figure out what that thing is. Every single time. Ridiculous. Uh, stickers. Things. Get things. Uh, and enjoy it. And then take pictures uh, just like uh, one of our, our other viewers the other night had, uh, had shown us. So, I would appreciate that. Okay. Thank you again so much for that. And yes, of course, let's go Niners, baby. Um, Aaron, actually, can you give us a quick update on Damar's uh, fun thing?
1: How is that going? I know you were looking at it recently and it blew up. Uh, oh, his GoFundMe? Yes. Sorry. Um, I mean, the original goal was like $2,500 and a bunch of NFL, big name people were donating to it. So the last I saw last late last week was uh, over $5 million or something. Ridiculous. Wow. It's got to be one of the largest GoFundMe's that's ever gone through that platform. That platform's probably going, yes, like getting <laughs> such good publication for doing nothing other than hosting and, and proce- uh, processing money. But um, yeah, it's really, really great. And he's doing well. He's is uh, breathing on his own and, and um, well, I don't know if he's home yet. I think he's still in the hospital, but he's doing better, much better. Excellent. Good to hear uh, Taylor. Uh, <laughs>
0: Chiming in, making a difference $2 at a time. Absolutely, buddy. Hey, every little helps. My grandfather, he, that's what he used to say. Every little helps. So I do appreciate that. Thank you so much. And Peter St. John would like to let everybody to know if you would rather support the Peter St. John Hunger Relief Fund, you can donate there as well. Oddly enough, the Peter St. John Hunger Relief Fund is also at the Fin Factor. So feel free <laughs> uh, to. Re- <laughs> to support that initiative as well (laughs) there you go oh and there's the there's the um i can't read that eight and a half i i it's too small for me but yeah Yeah.
1: i'm sure people with large tvs like whoever it was had the 75 inch 85 inch that was flexing on us the other day it's eight million five hundred and fifty six thousand three hundred and eighty dollars there you go oh super producer jason
0: trying to help us out there do appreciate that Okay, great. Uh so yeah, the, the Carlson point streak comes to an end at 14 games. Aaron still very historic stuff here. Uh two goals, 20 assists. That to me says I can make anyone around me better. Yep, when you absolutely. can for 14 games straight and you get two goals, but 20 assists, uh, I don't care that he's a blue liner. Uh that that is that is making everyone around you better. That is earning your eleven point five million. That's for, for my take on that uh again i love the guy i think he's he's doing a great job this season i think he's uh kind of taken a lot of flack from sharks fans for a long time and I, you know he hasn't really been healthy this whole time he hasn't played as many games in a row i think uh in previous seasons as he's done maybe so far he's had 50 games but they've kind of been broken up so i don't know I, I, I would i would love to see him make it to the end of the season even if it's not in teal right? We talked about this before, but even if it's not until I'd love to see him make it through an entire season injury free. Um, Gosh, what a milestone for this guy. Who's who was so good prior to his injury and still was very good, but gosh, it just seems like it was hampering him. uh, You know, constantly being out with a little thing here, a little thing there takes him out for weeks at a time. So I'm just really happy for the guy.
1: Yeah, me too. I, I love watching him play the way he skates and, and his vision on the ice is just, it's every time he's on the ice, Something happens, right? Either yeah. go for or against, but something happens.
0: <laughs> um, I see Kellen saying, "If only he could have made Merkley better too, <laughs> too soon." Sorry, we um, are going to talk, yeah. so, talk about Merkley. We will talk about Merkley a little bit later on. So, um, it, hold, hold that thought, okay? Just hold that thought.
1: Um, but yes. yeah, there were some other comments in there earlier about uh, him, but we will talk about him in a little bit. All right, sounds good. Uh,
0: so he's leading. Oh, I'm sorry. He was named to the all-star. Before we get to this. Okay. Before we get to this. Now this is there. you can notice a dramatic pause. People on the podcast, there's a very dramatic air uh, about my screen right now. Okay. So just feel it, feel it through the speakers in your car. Okay. Um, last week we asked what should be the new slide that super producer Jason creates? Um, because the Luke Cunning garbage collector slide obviously not going to work anymore because Luke. <laughs> Thank you, because Luke Cunningham is out for the season. Uh, Super so producer Jason obviously giving it one last plug right at the end there. But what you guys said was that we needed to have an Eric Carlson slide. Now I think Aaron that this is the best opportunity right here. Cause we're about to launch into a little bit of a discussion about Eric Carlson being named to the all-star team and sure. did get a point, which this would be the slide for when he gets points. He did get a point previous to the Boston game did not in the Boston game. So is there anything you want to do to set the slide up or do we just let him go?
1: Well, if you, for a long time fans early on, we had a p- slide for Joe Pavelski kind of yes. like a, I think it was a goal watch or something. We were trying to keep track of how many goals he had by the end of the season. And so it was Joe Pavelski and an Eagle and he was giving a big thumbs up. Right.
0: American flag in the background.
1: Yeah. yeah. So this is something similar. So this is uh the slide that we came up with for Eric Carlson. So now every now, time now you said we, but you Sorry. and I have not seen this yet. We, we kind of, we haven't seen it, but we gave him some directions on what we were okay. looking for. Um, but we're going to play this every time Carlson scores some points. And most likely this will be every episode now. Okay, SPJ, take it away. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, that's great. Okay. Read it. Read it for the podcast, people. (laughs) Read it for the podcast,
0: people? It was so fast, dude. It says Captain Jack Carlson, right? No, no, no. It said alternate. Uh Alternate smaller alternate captain Jack Carlson. Yes. That's beautiful. Oh so my it's goodness. Cannons,
1: they came together and moved around and then it like looks like a coin that flips over and it's oh. Eric Carlson dressed as a pirate. If you are on the
0: podcast, hop over to YouTube. <laughs> um, I don't know. What is this? 21 minutes in or something like that. Go around that mark. If you just want to <laughs> see that, obviously you want to see the whole show. So what am I saying? Just start from scratch. Uh, But if you do uh, are looking for that, it's it's right around that 21 minute mark. Oh, my. The amount of work that he puts in, man. Hey, can we get some like fire or something (laughs) in the chat for Super Producer Jason? Like that was amazing stuff. Thank you for that. Jay. Um, Really good stuff. Pirate flags. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And watch him dry up this season and get injured. Right. Right. We just jinxed it. This is Goodness. the only time we're gonna play it. <laughs> <laughs> the fin factor. That's your producer Jason in the chat there, guys. He says, <laughs> Well done. Well done. Okay. Um, so Garrett Carlson named to the all-star team. Of course. I mean, come on, this guy's just been absolutely on fire the entire season long. Uh, Aaron, I see you highlighting the stats. I'm gonna
1: let you go ahead and take the glory. Take it away, buddy. I mean, just just to like, I don't know help explain how awesome his season he's at 54 points right now, 54 points in how many games he played 41 games. Um, the next player is Josh Morrissey, eight points behind him. He's got 46 points. He has an eight point lead already in the season. And we are halfway, at halfway point at 41 games. Um, it, it's insane how much, He's done like his last point streak was 14 games and he had 20 points. Um, he's just, Oh, here we go. Poof. He leads all defensemen in goals, assists and points. Um, I'm reading this. This is the shark sent this out. He's on a franchise record, 13 game point assist streak. Um, this was obviously before the Anaheim game. He has points at 53 of 119 sharks goals, which is 44 and a half percent. It's the highest by a defenseman in the NHL's modern era second only to Bobby Orr in 1969 70 season seven time all-star because he just got named to his seventh all-star team uh this week so congratulations to Eric Carlson please don't get hurt and uh if you do get traded please bring a enormous return back to the Sharks I would be forever grateful That is our segment on alternate Jack yes. Carlson.
0: Yes. Oh my God, I love oh,
1: it. Oh man, I hope. By the way, that. by the way,
0: eight point lead is awesome. I don't want to throw any shade to Morrissey though. Uh, for over a point per game uh, on the blue line is is phenomenal. It's just Eric's better. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, are we done with Eric Carlson. Done with Eric Carlson. Okay. Uh, so we 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 talked him up a little bit. Graham Montgomery from Dauber Prospects is here. He's waiting in the wings. We're going to go ahead and bring him out right about now, Super Producer Jason. Um, there he is. Hey, Graham, how you doing?
2: Uh, I'm doing pretty well. And just one thing I'll add really quick about Eric Carlson. Uh, he's having the season on this Sharks roster. Imagine yep. if he was on the Bruins or yep. Vegas or, you know. Just saying. Imagine the, the season that, that he good. got traded here.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the season he got traded and if Brent Burns wasn't here then, what would have happened? Yep.
0: So, uh, Graham, you are working for Dabra Prospects. Why don't you just go ahead real quick and just kind of tell us what it is that you do, and then we can kind of launch into what we wanted to talk about.
2: So, right now, I actually cover the Islanders Prospects because that was the team that was available. I would have covered the Sharks, obviously, if they were available, but they weren't. So, take the opportunity that's given to me. Uh, But I also have my own YouTube channel where I uh, break down draft L... Draft eligible prospects, and that's my long term goal uh, is to get into scouting professionally. Uh, and uh, yeah, oh, I also write for a website called half wallhockey.com. It's established by another YouTuber by the same name. And uh, I have a few articles about draft eligible players for this draft on that website already. My latest, I believe, is on Adam Fantilli. So you can go ahead and, go ahead and check that out if you want to. That's very good uh, we also um,
1: in our description down below on the youtube channel we have graham's youtube channel so you can go check it out easily just go click on it and it would
0: appear that the people do recognize you because nicholas egan shouts out in chat graham
2: <laughs> so
1: graham <we> <laughs> graham is also in the fantasy hockey league that paul yeah. refused
2: to join i think nick is in is in the fantasy league nick too. is
1: in as well kellen yeah. is in there a number of guys that are that are here with us today in the very, chat very cool All
0: right. So so you mostly cover the Islanders, but you're just kind of a a prospects guy in general. So uh, what we were asking you to do was if you can kind of give us a rundown on the top five prospects and then we'll kind of launch uh, into something more shark specific, maybe from there. But give us your top five. Um, Who do you have?
2: Well, uh, my top one, uh, this might surprise some people, but it is, uh, in fact, Connor Bedard. Uh, he is, I mean, I've only been doing this for, this is my second season. So, although a couple years ago, actually, before I got into this seriously, I did scout a couple players, namely JJ Paterka, who is on the Sabres. I thought he was the best player available that could have fallen to the Sharks. Uh, the Sharks ended up taking Ozzy Weisblatt with that pick. Um, yeah, that's, uh... Not yeah. not saying I'm better than Pro Scouts, okay, but J.J. Peturica has kind of turned out a little bit better than Weissblatt so far. Uh, but anyways, in my opinion, I think Bedard is the best prospect since at least Matthews, uh, McDavid, maybe. Not that he's the next McDavid, but it's a similar caliber player. I think Bedard is easily going to be a top five player uh, in the NHL. So anybody who doesn't have him at number one is... They're just trying to get clicks. Uh, My second ranked player. I'm sorry, Aaron. Did you want to say something?
1: I was just going to ask about Bedard. um, How soon do you think he would be rising to the top of the league? Would it be like, would he be playing right away next season after he's drafted, depending on the team, I guess. And then would he be a leader kind of like McDavid hit the, hit the season running when he first started? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. So, First, I don't think it really matters what team drafts him. Whoever drafts him, he's playing in the NHL next year. And I would expect him to probably score like 75 to 90 points in his rookie season. The main problem is going to be defense. Uh, He's not good defensively. Uh, Of course, that is a thing with a lot of young players and prospects in general. But Bedard is, is just shoot 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 he he literally regularly gets 10 shots on goal and that's not shot attempts either that's 10 shots actually on goal so often in games and i mean it's it's the whl it's not the nhl but Mm -hmm. it's obviously gonna be a lot harder to get shots on goal in the nhl but the way he plays the game he's he's gonna rack up points he's gonna get assists on rebounds and things of that nature you know he's not a great playmaker i don't think he is an above-average playmaker at best. Relatively simple, makes smart plays uh, when they're available, like on a two-on-one. Like he's not just gonna shoot every single time on a two-on-one. He will pass it, uh, or if he's like in the corner and there's a guy in the slot, then you know he'll try passing it there. But uh, one problem actually with his game that he had earlier in the season that has been a, that he's kind of dealt with. Uh, was he was just shooting from absolutely everywhere, which I don't like because, you know, if you're shooting from the blue line, then you're not going to score very often. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he has started to shoot more from... He's been a little bit more selective with where he is shooting from, and even then, he's still getting a million shots every game. And his first game back from the World Juniors, was, which was tonight, I believe, uh, he had six points, including four goals. <laughs> so he's he's just he's he's an offensive machine, and I expect him to immediately produce at a first line level in the NHL. And at his peak, we're probably talking about 120 points plus. The league seems to be going in a direction that's more offensively oriented, with guys like McDavid hitting. 150 points. That might be a little bit more of a regular occurrence, and I think Bedard is one of the next players that I think has a, a really good potential to do that.
1: So he is he is a definitely a franchise changing player, not just a franchise Absolutely. player, but yeah. Okay. Um,
2: okay. So so that's Bedard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my second ranked player is Adam Fantilli from Michigan, and. In a lot of other drafts, he would probably go first overall. If this was last year, he would have gone first overall easily. And he's also going to play in the NHL next season, I believe, regardless, unless he chooses to go back to Michigan, Michigan, since he is a college player. A lot of college players will do that to try and win a championship because you know they're pretty close with their teammates. Mm-hmm. And uh, those college championships mean a lot to those guys, and they're still a good team this year. So he might choose to do that. I suspect he will choose to play in the NHL, though. And in his rookie season, you know, I don't think he's going to be Bedard levels of offense as a rookie. I would expect maybe like 50 to 60 point guy. But he's a much more well-rounded player. He's big. Bedard is a bit undersized. Uh, Not that that really matters. He's like 5'10". Fantilli is 6'3". They're both centers. Fantilli, they could also both play wing Bedard. I don't know. I don't I don't know if Bedard's going to end up working out as a center in the NHL because of his defensive deficiencies. Fantilli, I don't have worries about that at all. I think he'll be a fine center. Um, but the ceiling is definitely a lot lower. I think at his peak, he could probably hit 90 points. Maybe he'll have like one or 200-point seasons in his career even. But realistically speaking, Fantilli, you're getting... The best prospect in your prospect pool for any team that doesn't have Bedard, uh, for sure. And the Sharks, for sure, Fantilli would be their best prospect if they landed Fantilli. But not exactly Mm -hmm. franchise-changing, but still a very, very good piece to build around. He will be a first-line center for a long time in the National Hockey League, I suspect.
1: Kind of like I would say I'm mean, not that he plays like him, but like Logan Couture, kind of where he's a at his peak, he's maybe a 70 point
2: player, 80 point. I think Fantilli's seat ce- ceiling is higher than Couture. Okay. Cool. Um, but in terms of like overall impact, also Fantilli does play a different style of game. I would compare him more to like Tomash Hurdle. Okay. Uh, except he's a better skater than Hurdle, which is kind of impressive because that is generally. The downside of these bigger power forwards they tend to be bad well not bad but poorer skaters compared to smaller guys like bedard but he's just he's a really good skater he has really great hands he has really great tools and it's rare to have that combination of size and skill especially with forwards so Fantilli, yeah i i think he's gonna be a more impactful player throughout his career than a guy like Logan Couture, not to discredit Couture or anything. Right. Cause obviously he's been a great player for the Sharks.
0: And obviously for uh, folks listening, it would help uh, making the comparison that you've done there with, uh, with, with hurdle as opposed to saying, Couture. So I, as you move on with the other prospects, uh, if you can kind of do the same thing that you just did say, you know, he's comparable to this type of player, even if it's not a Sharks
2: player. Uh, okay. I think yeah.
0: It'd be, be awesome.
2: All right. Well, my next player is probably, I'm also going to end up comparing to uh, to watch I suspect. Oh, okay, but, and that is uh, Leo Carlson. To me, Carlson, so he's my third ranked player. Him and Fantilli are relatively similar, they're both big, they're both like 6'3, they both are centers that can play wing. Uh, they both have good hands. I think Fantilli probably has a better shot. Um, and I think Fantilli's offensive ceiling in general is a little bit higher. I also think right now he's the better player, which is why I have him ranked ahead of uh Carlson. Now Carlson is playing in the SHL. He has 14 points in 25 games, which is really impressive because it is it's really hard for uh draft eligible uh players to score in men's pro leagues, especially the Swedish hockey league that which is arguably the best European um hockey league a lot of people would probably say it's the khl but personally i i don't know the khl isn't that good um but yeah carlson and Pentilia, i think are relatively similar players carlson is probably not as good of a skater uh and his defensive game is not as good right now and i think those two things are the main things that separate them for me but in terms of offensive ceiling and like long-term impacts I think they're gonna be very similar. Both probably gonna be first line centers with nine probably regularly putting up 90 point seasons as well.
1: So if the Sharks got, let's say they win the lottery to get the second pick, mm-hmm. they don't get Bedard. Do you think they would lean towards the Swedish guy, being they have Carlson on the team?
2: And Eklund coming up. And Eklund, right? Um, I have no idea, to be honest the last draft for me was kind of weird yeah. because obviously we had Mike Greer come in and it didn't really feel like a draft run by Doug Wilson jr. You know, we've seen the type of players that he likes to draft. And generally I think uh, Doug Wilson jr.'s philosophy at the draft is pretty similar to my own tends to draft players that I like um, outside like the white pick as an example. But this last this last draft was kind of weird. You know, they passed on Brad Lambert, which to me, Brad Lambert screamed Doug Wilson Jr. type pick. And they passed on him. They passed on guys like Jagger Furcus and they went with bigger, safer players. And for those on the podcast, I just did air quotes uh, (laughs) when I said safer. Um, It just, it, it felt weird. And But the thing is, Mike career came in very shortly before the draft. It was all the same uh, scouting staff. They didn't change any of the scouts for that draft. So I'm not sure how much influence Greer had on that or not. So I don't know what to expect from the Sharks at this upcoming draft. That being said, I get the impression that they would probably lean towards Fantilli, uh, partially just because he's like Canadian, uh, I think there is a general slight bias towards larger Canadian players, especially ones that can play uh, like Fantillis Even though they're very similar, they have very similar play styles. I think just having that ex- that long history of experience on North American ice, uh, since there is a difference in the ice sizes, mm-hmm. I think they're probably going to lean towards Fantilli if they were to pick second overall.
0: All right, and uh, hopefully uh, the Sharks don't fall down to four or five, but if they happen to, um, are we still talking about the same tier of player at four or five as you would be at two, three?
2: There's one player, in my opinion, that potentially could be in that same tier, but he is a lot riskier, and that would be Matt vay So right Mm -hmm. now, I don't really have a four- Five set so I have a few guys that I'm going to talk about here but Michkov to me the ceiling is the same as a guy like Fantilli or Carlson both of those guys though I think are going to be better playmakers than a guy like Michkov but Michkov is a goal scorer and he fits a need because the Sharks do need goal scorers you know up until this season none of their prospects have really been known At for scoring goals, you know, except for Daniel Gushin. Um, But Thomas Bortolo has scored a a lot of goals this season for the Barracuda, but his entire development process up until this season, he's been more of a playmaker. So I don't know if that's just like a one-year fluke thing or how that's going to translate to the NHL or not. But in general, they do need goal scorers at forward, and Michkov is one of the best goal scorers in this draft, arguably number two behind Bedard. But that is basically the only thing that he does well. Um, I mean, that is an exaggeration. I mean, he's still a supremely talented hockey player, but he doesn't play great defense. He's not a great playmaker. He kind of has the same tendency as Bedard to just shoot from all over the ice, uh, which, you know, when you can score from all over the ice, shooting from all over the ice isn't as big of a problem. Um, But he's also Russian. You know, there's, things going on in Russia right now and he is signed for a few years that part doesn't really worry me anyways because I believe he's signed until he's 22 so he's kind of come over as a 23 year old which is when a lot of prospects would be coming up anyways so that part doesn't really worry me but because of the way he plays I just feel like his game is is a lot riskier Um, so I don't know how far he's going to fall. He definitely has fallen coming into this season. It was pretty much Bedard and Meechkov. And you go back two seasons, it was even more. So those were the top two guys, but now he has fallen. Some people have him as low as like seven or eight. I think I've seen him even outside the top 10 on, on a, on a couple of lists that are from actual, like pretty legit lists. These aren't just like random people like me, you know? (laughs) Um, but yeah, so so I don't know. Michkov is a little bit of a wild card for me. Uh, other guys, kind of in that tier though, where the ceiling is not as high, but I think are like in that second tier behind the top three are uh, Edward Chalet. Uh, he is also big, and you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of good guys with a lot of size at the top of this draft. And Chalet, he's a Czech player. Uh, I believe he's one of the few guys I have in this list that is a winger. He's a right winger, I believe. Um, great hands. He has a pretty good shot. He's not as good of a finisher as any of the other guys I've talked about so far, but he's gonna—he's not gonna struggle scoring goals in the NHL. He, he should at least be a consistent twenty-goal scorer. Um, but put the right guys around him as well, and he could be a great playmaker uh, and just another power forward. Again, another guy that I would compare to uh, Tomas Hurdle. Um, and, and and with Chalet, actually, I would say his ceiling is probably pretty similar to Hurdle. Maybe slightly better if things go really, really well. Um, but if the Sharks landed him, I would expect a very similar type of player that they have gotten from Hurdle. And then the last two guys that I have in this tier are Will Smith from the U.S. National Team Development Program who admittedly I haven't seen as much of as these other guys. So I, I can't comment as much on the specifics of his game, but I know when I see a good player and he's a good player, uh, and he is, he's also rising on a lot of boards right now. Um, I don't believe he played at the, um, did he play at the world juniors? You know, I, I'm not going to comment on that cause I, I actually don't know. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a good goal scorer. He's a well-rounded player, uh, relatively good defensively. I don't think he's as big as, he, as the other guys either. Nothing really stands out as like a standout skill that he has. Whereas, you know, like Chalet, his stick handling really stands out to me. Uh, Michikov, the goal scoring. With Smith, it's, it's all just at a high level, but nothing like at a su- super high level. And then finally, I have Matthew Wood, who is a really interesting one. He was a guy that I was not really that high on coming into this year. He played in the BCHL last year, which is Junior A. So for prospect nerds, that is a step below Major Junior. So you have the CHL, which actually has three leagues in it. The WHL, which is the league that Connor Bedard plays in. The OHL, which is Ontario, and then the Quebec League. And then you have Junior A, which which is a step below that. So the BCHL is a junior A league. It's one of the better ones, uh, but still the level of competition is a big drop off from the WHL to the BCHL. And that's the league he played in last year. So it was kind of hard to get a read on him, but he was over a goal per game in that league by like one goal. I believe he had 46 goals in 45 games, Uh, but he's playing, I believe in Northeastern. He's definitely playing NCAA. And I believe he has 15 points in 22 games. He is a really good finisher, though. He's another guy that doesn't have a problem scoring goals whatsoever. And I am usually a little bit more skeptical of that type of player, especially when you're drafting this high in the draft. As players who really only score goals and don't do much of anything else, I feel like that doesn't necessarily project to the NHL that well, especially when they're first trying to break into the league if you're not scoring goals and you're not doing much of anything else either, and you're a rookie, most coaches are oh. going to scratch you, or you're going to get sent down to the HL, and it can be a really tough transition for those guys. They're either kind of a boomer buzz type player, but I think Wood has kind of proved me wrong a little bit this year. Uh, he's played really well against much tougher competition in the NCAA than he played last year, and I think he's rounded out his game a little bit, and he still has that great shot. So. I suspect he is going to be one of the later guys from this list to be drafted. I don't expect him to go top five, but you never know. There's an outside chance that the Sharks can land him, especially if maybe they move up the standings a little bit and are drafting like sixth, maybe. Maybe he becomes an option there. Uh, But yeah, those are really the guys, at least with the first pick that the Sharks are going to have in this draft, uh, those are the guys that I would really look into.
1: Awesome. <clears throat> Sorry, I got a frog in my throat. <laughs> um, how did these guys do in the world championship that just concluded this last week?
2: Okay, so <clears throat> let's see. Well, you know, Mishkov obviously- didn't, didn't play. Yeah. Chalet, mm, I don't think, played. I didn't see the whole tournament. Uh, I was busy, but it's all on... It's all on YouTube. I don't yeah. know if that's very uh, legal or not, but it's yeah. there, so I will be catching up in the next couple of days. But really, the World Juniors was the Connor Bedard show. I mean, it's... What can you say? I think he had like 26 points in seven games or something. He was we absolutely have, insane. Um, yeah, we yeah actually, we do, do have show, a graphic. Yeah, you so could go can ahead and go this. So this is... Uh, expected primary points, uh, and this is only at uh, 5-on-5. So on the left, you have different teams. So all the NHL teams that had players playing in the tournament, and then those are their prospects. So towards the bottom, you can see the Sharks, and they have Phil Bystet there. So he had an expected primary points of a little over 3. And, you know, Bystet did have a good tournament, by the way. Um, but that red bar is Bedard. So <laughs> there was only four teams who their entire prospect pools had more expected primary points than Con- than Connor Bedard did at the tournament, and all of those teams had at least three players. Buffalo had three. The Rangers had four. Montreal had like six. And this is one. This is one guy. He. It, I've never seen anything like it. It, even even Connor McDavid didn't perform like this in the World Junior Championships granted it's a small sample size it's just one tournament but he was absolutely insane
1: it's a big deal because you're on you're in the spotlight and kind of shows yeah. like which players are going to be ready for the show and who can handle yeah. being there you know so it's it's it is a small sample size but when you see prospects falter that are supposed to be really good that kind of makes you go ooh maybe they won't be cut out for this kind of line work
2: yeah and you know one thing that was also really interesting and really valuable information that we got about bedard i think is actually not from any of the games it was after the gold medal game they were interviewing him and the reporter asked him i don't remember the question specifically but they asked him roughly like you know you just had this crazy historic performance you know how what does that mean to you and he basically said Uh, I'm not here to talk about myself right now. We just won this tournament. This is about the team. And, you know, I thought that that response was really mature. And I think it tells you a lot about his character, which is something that as somebody who scouts based off video, that's something that I don't really get any ideas of, you know, that's the one big advantage of being able to scout in person is you can interview the players and you can get an idea of what they're like uh, personally. And I think, Ultimately, I do think those things do matter. I think at times it gets a little bit overrated, but it does matter to an extent. And I think that was really valuable information uh to get from Bedard. Now, as far as other players at the tournament, you know, Fantilli was there a bit overshadowed uh by Bedard, of course. But you know what? He had a pretty good tournament too. I believe he was a point per game, or he might have had like eight points in seven games or something like that. And he was playing. He was playing pretty much fourth-line minutes. I mean, this is the World Junior Championships. The vast majority of the players on all these teams have already been drafted. They're mostly NHL-affiliated already. So to even be playing in this tournament as a draft-eligible player is really tough. And to be getting fourth-line minutes and still be producing at a point per game, you know, that's still really impressive uh, for Ventilli. Uh Carlson had a great tournament as well. Uh I thought he uh interestingly, you know, showed some chemistry with Bystet. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the Shark yeah. scouting staff does look at that and maybe, maybe they do lean a little bit more towards Carlson over Fantilli if they're drafting second because of that. Uh who knows? Um yeah. and the rest of the guys I mentioned didn't didn't play in the in the tournament.
0: So I I want to call out a couple of comments here. Nicholas Egan says, I'm ready to order my Shark's Bedard jersey. He's jumping straight ahead. Uh, I love that. And then Noah Claxton um, it, doing a little NHL 23 here, I think, says Bedard is playing on rookie. He has franchise medium potential response plus 10% team chemistry <laughs> for the uh, the response to the, uh, the reporter on the ice there. Um, I want to do some more comments from you guys, actually, so if we can get a roll call going. Where are you guys watching from and which prospect – would you want the sharks to get? So let us know that. Let's, put it in the
1: chat, and let's we'll uh, change that.
0: Get a chance to get through that. I know they're all going to say Bedard, right?
1: Hey, let's other than Bedard, obviously. Other than Bedard, yeah. Right? Uh, and any of the uh,
0: three hurdle comparables by by chance, perhaps. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, uh, there was one thing that we talked about a little bit earlier, and I did notice when you're going through. uh None of these really defensive prospects. Now you had said earlier that. Uh, The Sharks could really use some more defensive prospects. They don't really have that in their system right now. So my question to you would be if they get to a guy who is maybe, say, the fourth or fifth, and they don't get a guy that they are really in love with, do you see the Sharks potentially trading down just a little bit to get that top defenseman that's on their board and picking up an extra pick?
2: Okay, well, like I mentioned earlier, this is Mike Greer, and so I don't know. I, he did trade down at the last draft, though. So, first of all, trading down is smart. Always trade down, except for in, like, very rare circumstances. And this draft is probably going to be one of those circumstances with their first pick. I just think the talent in the top five, top ten even, is too good to really want to trade down with. Um, but maybe they make a trade. Maybe, you know, somebody gets traded and they pick up, like, a late first uh, maybe it's like pick twenty-two or twenty-three, and then maybe at that point, maybe they trade that down, and then they get like thirty-one and like forty-five or something like that. I, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. Uh, I love trading down, but when it comes to defensive prospects in general, there aren't really that many. Uh, as you mentioned, there aren't that many that are like really highly. Excuse me. Uh, touted guys in this draft one of my favorites is uh Mikhail Guliaev uh, Russian defenseman he's bounced around a little bit between all of the Russian leagues he's played in the MHL which is their junior league uh, comparable to like the Canadian Hockey League Uh, the VHL which is comparable to the AHL and then the KHL of course which would be like their NHL equivalent he's played in all three leagues I thought he's he's looked pretty well pretty well he's looked pretty good in all of them uh, especially the MHL. He's too good to be playing in the MHL. To be honest, I believe he has like a, he had like a seven game point streak as a defenseman in that, in that league earlier. Um, and he's a guy that could, could fall. You know, I, I, I've had him ranked as my top defenseman in this draft pretty consistently. Uh, and I think by the time the draft comes around, he's still probably going to be my favorite defenseman from this draft class. But, I don't think he's going to be the first one off the board. In fact, it's really hard to say where he's going to get drafted because there were a few Russian players last year that not only myself, but a lot of people uh, were pretty high on, and they got drafted well outside the first round. Uh, Gleb Trikza, for example, got drafted 60th. Vladimir Grudinan, a defenseman who I really, really liked. He was drafted like 150 or 170 or something like that. Uh, so I don't think that's going to happen with Goliayev, but he could be available in the second round and strikes do have their second round pick. So maybe they could get him there. Uh, Cam Allen is a, a Canadian guy. I believe playing in the OHL was a guy. A lot of people were really high on coming into the season. Hasn't really produced like a first round talent. Uh, so far this season, at least could fall, could be available in the second round, potentially, uh, Lucas Dragasevich is an interesting one. Uh, he is probably not going to be available in the second round, but for different reasons. He's actually producing uh, very well for a defenseman. I he's over a point per game. Last time I checked, he had like a 15 or 16 game point streak. Last I checked, he's playing in the WHL. But the thing with him is I've I've actually watched him quite a bit because I was intrigued by his production numbers earlier in the season and his team kind of sucks. He's by far he plays for Tri-City, which is actually an American team in the WHL and he's the best player on the team. So what they do is they establish the zone, they get the puck to him and he he does stuff. So of course he's going to generate generate points that way. It's kind of similar actually to the way Bedard plays because his team also was really bad. Um, But you know, there's a little bit of a difference in the skill level between Bedard and Dragosavich. Also Dragosavich is a defenseman, but you know, he has a good shot. But other than that, I feel like he's just kind of getting points by the sheer volume of plays he's making. Nothing that really stands out to me as being particularly projectable to the NHL because NHL defenses are a lot harder to score against. Um, so maybe a guy you want to avoid. If if we are drafting, if we are getting like a late first-round pick, maybe you try to avoid him there, because I think he's a little bit overrated right now. But, you know, if he's available in the second round, maybe in the middle of the second round, if we get a pick there, or maybe, yeah, I mean, I can't see him falling much further than that. So may, maybe maybe you can get him there. Um, and then David Reinbacher actually, who is a guy who played at the world juniors, uh, Austrian, uh, playing in the Swedish junior leagues, I believe, but did play at the world juniors and had a pretty good tournament, um, was probably the best player on his team. Granted it is Austria. I believe they got relegated. Um, so not a great team, but he had a pretty good performance and, defensively as well i thought he held his own against much stronger opposition um so i don't think the upside is there offensively he's probably not going to be like a top power play guy maybe a second power play guy maybe um but probably a guy that i think would be available in the second round uh so maybe that's a defensive prospect that they can get with their second round pick but you know, they, they, they kind of need defensive prospects. So those guys, those guys are all, are all good options. I think next depending on where you're drafting them, of course.
1: Yeah. Next year's draft is supposed to have more prospects for defensemen compared to this year's draft, which is more offensive forwards.
2: Yeah. If, if they were drafting top five next year, uh, there's Aaron Kiviharu, Finnish defenseman, um, might go first overall. That's not entirely clear. I mean, it's over a year away, of course. It's not entirely clear, but yep. he doesn't have the same level of hype as a guy like Bedard, for example, or even Shane Wright. If you go Shane Wright a couple of years before his draft, there was a ton <laughs> of hype around Shane Wright, uh, two years before he was drafted. Um, not quite that level of hype with Kibi Haryu. So maybe if we're drafting like three or four next year we could get him and that would be a huge help to the Sharks. Uh defensive pipeline for sure and it sounds like uh looking at the
0: responses in the chat that most people would like to see uh carlson actually so just kind of the whole sweetest connection thing going on there we'd have a couple carlsons on the team again that'd be pretty cool um so randy. what's that <laughs> poor randy poor randy yeah carlson to carlson to carlson <laughs> anyway um so and i wanted to point out one question uh before before we let you go unless aaron's got something else after this but um, Noah Claxton asked Graham, do you think it's fair to compare uh, Michkov to Line? Now, it's funny that you said that, Noah, because when he was describing Michkov, that's exactly who I was thinking of. And I saw your comment earlier uh, saying, sounds like Laine. Uh So, Graham, is that a fair comparison to make?
2: Um, He's on the spot. <laughs> I think so. I... I haven't watched him enough to make that comparison because a lot of these other guys like the uh, everybody playing North America, it's really easy to watch. There's a subscription service for whatever league they're playing in for Russians. If they're playing in the MHL or the VHL, it's easy because they stream all their games on YouTube. They're playing in the KHL. That's a different story. It's a lot harder to watch those games. So I haven't seen as much of him. They have been banned from international tournaments for the time being. So I, didn't get to see him at the world juniors either so i i'm still confident in my assessment that he is, is a shooter and not much else but would i compare him to patrick line uh i guess so i th- i think that's a bit of a superficial comparison but stylistically they're they're relatively similar
0: very good. Graham Montgomery from Dauber Prospects. Why don't you plug yourself one more time? Let people know how they can find you, uh, the different platforms that you're on. Uh, go ahead, take it away.
2: Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. I tweet a lot because I'm chronically online. Uh, my <laughs> handle is YT. You can find me on YouTube. My channel name is GrahamSlam. Once, vid- once this stream is posted as a video, I'll be sure to leave a comment in there and you can just click on my name. Oh, there it is right there. Uh, I appreciate that. Um,
0: One thing you find is Super Producer Jason is always on top of things. So I
2: appreciate that. Thank you, Jason. Um, (laughs) The link is also down below in
1: our description of this video. So you can find another clickable link too.
2: And then finally, you can find me uh, at Dauber. I mean, I can't imagine there's many people watching this that are interested in learning about the Islanders prospects, especially because they don't really have that many interesting prospects either. Um, but also, you know, I'm working on other things. I got some things cooking, so we'll see by the end of the year, beginning next season, maybe we'll have some, uh, some, uh, other, other projects going on. Uh, but that's where you can find me. Excellent.
0: Very good. Hey, Graham, thanks again for stopping in, man. We do appreciate the expertise. It's uh, it's nice having you in the chat. It's better having you on video. So again, thank you so much for popping in. And I uh, want we'll to talk about uh, some getting one of those mics. Here's my mic for the people that want to see it. Not quite as cool as Graham's uh, on screen there, but uh, certainly it gets the job done. So thanks again, Graham. Appreciate you, bud.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right.
0: Okay, Aaron, uh, we are back, just the two of us. I'm sorry, guys, in the chat. It's just us now. That was fun. Um, first of all, hey, again, I see Peter St. John saying uh, thanks, Graham, popping in. Uh, a lot of really good information there, Aaron. So, hey, guys in the chat, if you've appreciated that, please let him know uh, in the chat. He'll he'll see it, obviously. So um, we'd love to maybe have that kind of be a recurring thing. We get him back on maybe uh, during draft or something like that. That'd be awesome, I think.
1: Absolutely. We'll probably yeah. have him back in the end. give us some more because uh, those prospects change kind of their um, rankings, if you will. Yeah. So they kind of go up and down. One prospect whose ranking changed quite a bit over his uh,
0: not so storied AHL career, Ryan Mergley um, recently in the news here had a trade request. Now he wants out because he thinks he's NHL caliber. Um, he's got no goals. 14 assists in 30 games with the Barracuda. I don't care about the no goals and the 14 assists doesn't really bother me. Uh, What I will say is I I brought this up before and I'm not even going to go down the path of, um, at least not yet. I'll go down the path later of the whole argument where, gosh, you know, I would have thought by now he'd be, he'd be there. Right. Um, For me watching him play, it felt like, and I've said this before, Uh, it feels like he's just not taking it seriously. Like he feels like he's above the competition and he can kind of just do his own thing and just kind of relax. Um, That's how it feels. Now he does very special things, very amazing things with the puck, but it's almost like it's just him kind of having fun. He doesn't take it seriously enough for me from what I'm watching in the game. Now, again, I'm just a fan watching it. So what do I know? But that's kind of how it comes off. Um, So I don't know what exactly your feelings are. I know what they were on Ryan (laughs) Berkeley. I know what you think about him in terms of his readiness and everything else. I get it. But has any of that changed for you hearing now uh, that he wants out and given the last little bits of stats that we have here?
1: Um, I've seen a lot of comments about, you know, people talking about his history because he had such a lengthy history of of. I don't know what you want to call it, like losing his temper. But all that happened when he was 16, 17 years old. He's never had an incident um, since he's been drafted by the Sharks. So I, to me, it's almost like um, he's in a situation where he needs a new needs to go somewhere else. Do I think he's going to be an NHL player now? I don't know. Depends on the team that needs him. Depends on how much training he can get. Um, We can also look at the coaching staff at the Barracuda and if that was part of the problem or reason, but um, it is odd that he publicly did it too. Um, But he did have zero points in his last 10 games that he had played for the Barracuda, which I think that's not going to do it. This is a guy who I said, if he wants to take that next step to get to the NHL, he has to dominate the AHL level to show that he can be effective and that same with, I mean, I said the same thing about Bortolo and Eklunds. They have to be dominating to make the Sharks force their hand to play them at the NHL level because there's nothing left to prove at the AHL level. He's not done that. He is improved on his game. Um, there's some, you know, interviews with McCarthy, the coach, uh, John McCarthy, and um, uh, just, I don't know, man. I don't know what his deal is. I don't know if he's going to be an NHL player at this point. You know, I saw something interesting and I would love to get
0: your feedback on this, um, seeing as how you're much more of a um, a fantasy hockey guy, really. Right. So um, I saw something saying Merkley to Chicago would make sense. Both kind of bottom feeder teams. Chicago doesn't have that guy on their line and they felt that Merkley would be a shoe in to just step right in, even if he's not NHL caliber by even our standards, right? Uh, but, I mean, that's maybe not fair because for the Sharks, yes, we don't have a, a solid defensive pool, but you're not going to get any time behind Eric Carlson. Uh, the only guy who did was Brent Burns, and uh, we always saw, oh, we, we saw how that worked out, and it didn't. So I don't think bringing in someone who is doing, you know <laughs> – in 30 games, 14 assists um, at the AHL level is not really Brent Burns. You know what I'm saying? So I just I don't see that working out for this team. Now for a team like Chicago, perhaps I don't know. Um, so I'm interested in your thoughts on that one because it seems like for I was asked earlier. I think it was uh, Nick HBK had asked me, "Hey, what do you think realistically the Sharks could get from Merkley at this point?" And I wasn't really sure what to say. But I feel like almost like a fourth kind of makes sense. And what this person was guessing about Chicago, a trade with Chicago, would be a middling prospect and a fifth, which to me is kind of about a fourth, right? So um, I don't know. I'm interested in your thoughts on that because it seems like Chicago, it's weird to be having two teams that are bottom feeders like that kind of talking about a trade yeah. um, you know, to help each other out. But uh, does does that make any sense to you?
1: No, I, I don't see why Chicago would make that trade. I To me, like fifth round, I think would be at best. It's probably even sixth or nothing, possibly. Like, It's it's rough because it's a first round pick, right? And I'm looking at the draft and the player to like take in right after him. And I don't like doing this. Yeah. Because, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But um, I only do this when it's the absolute next pick. And it was Keandre Miller um, who plays for the New York Rangers. He is, he is looking like a real deal defenseman. That's going to be around for a long time. Um, it's sad that the sharks didn't take him in, in like for a long time. I mean, Keandre Miller is a big, a big man. He's six, four 216 pounds. It's a big, it's a big defenseman. I feel like that's the pick that Doug Wilson would have made all the time, but uh, they went with Ryan Merkley instead. Now Ryan Merkley, I was excited about it because this is a guy that was supposed to, you know, earlier, just like we're talking about Graham, all of his rankings, right? The rankings change during the year based on certain things, like some things the players just aren't good at Ryan Merkley. um, at, At some points were in like the top five, top 10 guys in the draft. And then he dropped to 21st overall. So the sharks were taking a chance on a guy who had the ability to be in the top 10 prospects of that draft year. Um, and it just hasn't really panned out. So I feel bad for Ryan Merkley, but I'm hoping cause I never want to see anyone fail, you know, like him as a person, I want him to, I would like to see him go to another team and actually thrive and play in the NHL. I don't know if that will happen, but I want good things for good for people. So, um, I'm not so sure what the return will be. That's the problem. A fifth round pick. Sure. That sounds, that sounds about right. Maybe another project player, like someone who's on another team that didn't pan out and they need to get rid of them or move them. You know, a new, a change of scenery kind of situation. I could see that happening. Uh, Aaron says, I don't like to
0: see anybody fail. Uh, Also, Aaron, gosh, I hope the sharks lose.
1: (laughs) I meant personally. I don't like to see personally fail i want a so whole Sharks- lot of
0: personals on a team and make well, up a team aaron
1: there's a light at the end of the tunnel and that light is a freight train called connor bedard
0: <laughs> well put my friend uh moving on from ryan Merkley. i mean i don't know if there's really anything even to say about it but okay we'll, we'll take a look at the comments here uh mergley will not bring back much unless he's part of a package says anthony sanchez he wants him to get sent to arizona
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even think Arizona would want him. I don't know. They're taking everybody, know. buddy. Uh, I mean the only, the only, that Chicago, the only reason Chicago Chicago would make sense is because they want to tank more. So they would take him on and play him. Now that's harsh.
0: Hey, you know what? Ryan Merkley might be a, a longtime listener of the show, and you just threw down like that as I love
1: it. Noah Claxton said send him to send him and Timo for to New York for a laffy in his first. Uh, I don't I still don't think, well. With Timo Meyer, maybe for for Lafreniere and the first, yeah, I don't see the they wouldn't send first with it. I would say they would send Lafreniere. He was the first overall pick. Yeah, I mean this yeah. guy is destined to make it, and if yeah. he doesn't, then he'll end up like uh, who like was the guy Ryan from Ripley. Edmonton that was first, who?
0: I still like Ryan Merkley.
1: Oh yeah. Well, no, there's there's a guy that um, Edmonton took first overall, and he's oh no Yeah yakupov now yakupov
0: you. thank you yeah he had the uh sliding on the knees sully across center ice and that was about it so yeah yeah there you go uh i think mercury gets traded for a prospect or ahl player one for one uh, kellen to be fair he's an ahl player so yeah that does make sense um you know we, <laughs> we're just like the gms man we value our own prospects a lot more than they probably should be right so Uh, Merkley had potential, but history on Sharks development is horrid. He just isn't ready for full-time NHL. I don't know that I pin this on Sharks development necessarily. Um, He did have issues, as we knew, going into it. But I feel like a lot of those issues got cleared up. For me, it's, again, not attitude with other players or other other people. It's attitude um, with regard to how hard he needs to work against that guy right I'm better than that guy I don't really need to work that hard to get past him my son does the same thing and it just aggravates me to no end um he'll especially when he's up against his brother when his brother's playing defense against him and he'll skate in on him and he'll glide and he'll look at him and he'll try to do this little thing where he's kind of outthink you and slightly outmaneuver you you know how you guys do that stuff right where you're just like oh I'm just gonna make it look easy and I'm by you right instead of working hard that's the thing that Ryan Merkley needs to do just work hard because I see him trying to like just be smarter and more savvy than everybody else on the rink. And it ain't working, obviously Uh 30 games, 14 assists to show for it. And your first over or uh, first round pick, Um, you know, one of the best offensive minds on the blue line uh, as a prospect in a long time. And it's just not panning out. I don't know. I think it's an attitude thing. Not again, he doesn't have an attitude problem with other people. It's a, I think I'm better than I actually am attitude. Um, it's not, I don't want to say that he actually is because he is really good. Uh, it's hard to say, man. It, it's just, it's really hard to explain, but uh, it, I just feel does, like he sh- he needs to take it a little more seriously, and if he does, he'll be
1: absolutely phenomenal. 100%. It goes to show hard work will get you into the NHL way quicker than skill. I mean, even Bedard is – like like Graham had said earlier, if he's going to be on a team and his defensive responsibility is terrible – He's probably an exception because he's so good at scoring that you can overlook his defensive tight. I mean, look at Eric Carlson, right? Is he the world's best defender? Absolutely not. Is he one of the best defensemen offensively? Yes. I, that That's proven this year. So if you're not doing the other one and, and let's say, you know, Ryan Merkley, is he the best defensive defenseman? Absolutely not. Is he the best offensive defenseman? He was growing up but not anymore and now he has to work hard and he doesn't have the work ethic so it's not translating just like you're saying you got to put in the work
0: kellen foster hard work like barclay goodrow that is a perfect case right there guy got sent down to the ahl was on the fourth line uh in the ahl because he just was not working out and then something clicked and he just turned it all the way back around uh made it right back to the nhl and then uh what's that two two rings two rings yeah that's this is a guy that got got out of the nhl pushed all the way down to the fourth line of the AHL, came back and gets two rings mm-hmm. hard work kids if you're listening hard work pays off okay there you go hard work like andrew cogliano that that guy too there you go Noah, thank you for that uh aaron with the uh, the sharks pick up off of waivers from winnipeg i'm hopefully not going to butcher this name Michael Aceymont. Aceymont. That's that's what I said. So there you go. Yes. Okay, that's now. Good. He yeah. is a defensive forward, kind of meant to replace Luke Cunnin. Um, we cannot make an Aceymont slide. We've already made an Eric Carlson slide, so there will be no trash collector thing for Mikey here. I do find it interesting, though, that his name is specifically Mikey. That is... It's a little different. I like that. Different. Yeah. Mikey. So go ahead. What do
1: you know about this guy? Um, I don't know much, but um, he's kind of a, I don't want to say a pest player, but he makes it, he makes the other team's life hard. When he's on the ice, he's probably going to be hitting hard, working hard. This is going to be, this is a Mike Greer guy. So I don't know if you noticed last week on the waivers um, or last couple weeks, I guess was it, Tolvanen went to Seattle. I was hoping we talked about that one. Yeah. Um, We were hoping the Sharks pick him up. Um, Detroit had just put on Jacob Verana on waivers. And I was hoping the Sharks would secretly pick him up. But that contract is big. I think it's 4 million a year. Um, Basically another Kevin LeBanc guy who can score, but he doesn't do any of the work. Um, He also just came out of the uh, substance abuse program from the NHL. So, they're trying to get him down to get some conditioning stint, but he would have been a fantastic pickup. Um, but anyway, they pick up instead this guy who works his tail off. So um, fully expect him to be in the lineup very soon, probably this week. And uh, we, uh, we actually have a clip here from his press conference that he had. Uh, mind you, the quality is not the greatest. Super producer Jason worked his magic because the audio was not in stereo. And it was taken from his phone. So this is basically um, a clip of Mikey. He was kind of asked about his reputation. His reputation is that um, he is. What was it? I can't can't remember the exact words, but it's something like um, people hate. Well, the question was like, people hate playing against you. And it's a compliment. Like it's taken as a compliment, not supposed to be a negative thing. So this is him explaining in his own words, the style of his game and his reputation yeah you know i don't pride myself on being hated by anyone or uh, (laughs) um you know i've never i'll never take a i'll never take a cheap shot or a liberty or try to injure anyone but uh i definitely you know have a reputation for being hard to play against and uh i'm only i'm only trying to uh build off that and make it make it more evident in my game i think that's something that i have to do to stay up and that's something i'm willing to do it's a tough role but uh you know more the more and more games I play, the more shifts I get. The uh, you know I want players to know that I'm out there and, and uh, know who I am and um, that uh, yeah I'm not going to put up with anything. Stand up for my teammates and be yeah like you said be be hard to play against. Gajevic, huh? Like a Gajevic? I mean, his career he's got 19 games, a goal and four assists. Plus five, seven penalty minutes. 26 minutes. Yeah. Look at his AHL stats. So I don't He's I don't think I don't really think it's a gadget. Penalty minutes. <laughs> I think it's more like Luke Cunning, like a hardworking guy who is gonna stick up for his teammates. Just okay. a guy that is a Mike Greer guy. We're gonna see more of these guys. I'm for no, it.
0: Right. I, I liked what he said. I like how he said it. I mean, I'm, I'm a hardworking guy. I'm a guy that's hated out there. Uh, I'm not going to take any cheap shots. I like that. I respect the hell out of that. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing him jump in there, uh, suit up in teal, uh, show what he can do. So, um, yeah, All I'm right. for it, especially if he's a little more on the uh, uh, defensive-minded side of things. I think that can only help this team <laughs>
1: right so now. He played, he played for the Manitoba Moose. Uh, yeah. Last season, in 58 games, he had 18 goals, 24 assists, so he had 42 points in 58 games. Uh-huh. 90 penalty minutes.
0: Okay, that's not bad.
1: It's not bad. He's, he's a power forward. Yeah, but I, I think at the NHL level, he's not going to be scoring like crazy. No, he's going to be more of a, a third, fourth line grinder guy. But um, he does have the skill to score. Like he does have the ability. So I think I think more than Gadjevich, more like more along Kunin, Cunning. Sorry. Cunning. Yeah. Um, kind of like that. I, I, I
0: really, <laughs> thank you, super Jason for the cunning slide. I really want you to respond to Anthony Sanchez here. How many fourth liners do the sharks really need so far? Personally, I'm not holding much hope on Greer's plan. I would like you to respond to this. Sure. Right now. Oh, yes. Right now.
1: Uh, Greer is putting into place, um, a new culture. And we've talked about this the last three seasons. That's what what uh, the prior coaching staff was trying to change, the culture, 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 culture. The culture now with Greer at the helm is you're going to work your tail off every night. The younger guys don't really do that. They have to learn it. Um, the more skilled guys, same thing, like Bordalo and and um, Eklund, they're going to have to work their tails off. So he's changing the culture Changing the team, changing the way um, you have to fight for a spot to get into the lineup—not literally fighting, but like you have to be performing well in order to get into the lineup. Um, there are a lot of third and fourth line guys, and these are also going to be trade chips because Greer is slowly—he's not going to change it. Now, I saw—I caught—I saw a comment earlier about—I think it was from ooh, who was it? Anthony Sanchez. Here it is. I found it. Trade Couture, Meyer, and Carlson for a first round pick. Get the best possible pick for Reimer and build the future Shark team during this draft. That's a fire sale. And there's not enough guys in this draft that would warrant getting rid of those guys to get the team to where it would need to go. So it's going to be a slower, slower rebuild of getting bigger top prospects, more draft picks. Um, we'll see. It, next year will be very interesting where the, where the, um, cap space ends up being um unfortunately i think it might be only a million and not the four million increase so you're gonna see a lot of teams still slogged and not moving pieces if it does go up to four million i think we'll see a lot more movement with teams trading away some players and and moving around teams um but anyway it, it's um i'm getting kind of ahead of myself but <laughs> he's changing the culture of the team to show that you need to be working a hard-working guy to get into the lineup that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Anthony. Um, I mean, wasn't it Anthony whose wife was throwing shoes and stuff at him yeah. for, for talking? I was talking about trading Brent Burns, right? There's certain things, Anthony, you got to realize. Um, one one is uh on this show, so far we like Mike Greer. So you better watch what you say, my friend, because this shoe might go flying through the screen right away. <laughs> you just wanted to show your shoes again. I do, I like they're really nice, DCs. Uh, you should check them out, guys. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> the more you know, um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm kind of in that boat myself. Uh, I, I, I like what Greer's doing right now. This team is not trying to turn itself around this season. Um, if we can get some uh, third and fourth line guys, frankly, if Mont is a guy that you can claim off of waivers and that's a trade target at some point, that would be an absolute win, right? You pick him up basically for nothing and you can get an asset back for him. That would be a 100% absolute win. If he's not a trade target, it seems like he's the type of guy that you do want in the locker room. So, um, and and he's, what, making 700-something thousand a year? So... there's really no, no issue here for me on that one. So uh, I'm okay with it. Uh, I I actually kind of like it. Um, And again, I'm looking forward to seeing him in Teal Uh, not to see how many goals he scores because that's obviously not going to happen. I just want to see that work ethic again. If you look at the guys who are kind of my favorite players in the team right now, save the skill guys like Carlson hurdle. Um, My favorite guys are the work ethic guys. My favorite guys are Mario Ferraro and uh nico Sturm, right now those two guys are the guys that i love they they got engines and they don't stop and i love that about those two guys for me it's all about that work ethic uh, at least for this season so if he's one of those guys uh the more the merrier bring him on in um uh, and again if it helps the locker room uh, not that we have locker room issues so much this season anymore i don't think but if it helps the locker room uh all the better for it so there you go um We're going real long, so we're going to to go cruising through the upcoming games, Aaron. We've got three of them, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. So a back-to-back and then a one-day break. Um, Oh, man. It looks like we're uh, we're touring the Pacific. So (laughs) we're uh, in Arizona, in L.A., and then against the Edmonton Oilers. So actually, Wednesday, am I going to be at that game? I might actually be at one of these games. That's in L.A. I know. I might actually be at oh. one of these games. So actually, no, I, I believe it's uh, the, the next next weekend they play uh, in L.A. or something. And I think for a travel tournament for the kids, uh, we'll be out in that area. So I think we're going, which is kind yeah, of cool. cool. Regardless, sure. Tuesday against Arizona in Arizona. Aaron, uh, are they still the laughing
1: stock of the league <laughs> or is it us now? Well, we'll see at the end of this game. Ooh. Okay ends up winning but good response uh, Aaron good response um they'll be playing at a college hockey rink for this game because the Arizona Coyotes are using the Arizona Sun Devils stadium so um they did kind of I think they built some temporary locker rooms for the NHL players now so they actually have legit space whereas earlier it was just a curtain like it was not not cool it's it's unreal that the NHL is playing in a 4000 seat stadium for you know for college players <laughs> um it's weird that it's they're there but it's really weird and really kind of embarrassing that it's going to be the next 4 or 5 years they're going to be there because they need to get a new deal to build a new stadium or new arena um which they're constantly working on so um it's not like a temporary oh it's getting built and we're playing here for one season it's uh well this is our home and hopefully (laughs) we can have another one um but now if if you're down in arizona i think it would be really cool to go to a game there because it's so intimate and small that you're gonna be super close to the ice you know it's a different definitely a different atmosphere what you Equally gonna say? as cool if
0: you're in San Jose to go to the Barracuda Games. I'm telling you, they, it's fun to watch. Go to Texas Arena, check it out. And you get the same atmosphere that you get <laughs> from an Arizona Coyotes game without the travel. So, uh, and, and the skill level is about the same, too. So there you go. Um, really, no no reason to go to Arizona. Just uh, head on down, Texas Arena, give now, them a
1: look. Arizona right now is only one point behind the Sharks. But if you go by point percentage, which is the way I do it, Okay. The sharks have played more games. They're actually below them in the standings. Um, so Arizona has eleven regulation wins, and the sharks have nine. No, so yeah, no, it they're has bad. A great but what Noah has a great comment. Oh, uh, was it? Take it. Imagine Arizona wins the cup on home ice at Mullet Arena. Yeah, <laughs> can you imagine if they got Connor Bedard, and all of a sudden, like all of their prospects? They have a lot of prospects for being so bad for so yeah. long all of it comes together and they win on Mullet Arena, that would be so embarrassing. Because that that just puts international eyes on the situation that is in Arizona. Just crazy. Um, crazy.
0: You know, the uh, the center ice at that arena, Mullet Arena, um, it, it, we were joking that they weren't going to be able to put their logo. Um, that's not entirely true. They have one half of the face-off circle has their logo and the other half has the Sun Devils logo in
1: <laughs> they're splitting it oh it's so cute it's adorable it's again a unique situation it's kind of cool for one season i think it would be cool it would be like oh you know that was fun a fun year while our stuff was getting you know finalized and built but for four years man that's brutal and then you know let's say they do get construction or they're able to build a new arena but there's delays and they're there for another season five years six years i mean that's that's like if they got Connor bedard he would be well in his prime at that point
0: (laughs) (laughs) sharks next night in la um not quite the rivalry it used to
1: be aaron no it's not it's sad i mean it's still like there's still a lot of sharks fans that are in la and they go to the games it's fun same with same uh Anaheim, LA, and Arizona. There's a good chunk of Sharks fans that show up, so they're fun to watch at home on TV because you hear the cheering when they score goals. Yeah, so it, it not quite like a home game, but it's it's it's, it's noticeable on TV. Um, LA is an interesting team because they're doing pretty well. They're one of the top teams in in the West, not not even just the division, but the West. Um, they're right behind Seattle and right behind uh, Vegas, but they are right there. Um, I'm a little surprised that it's kind of like they're almost like in the same situation the sharks were a couple years ago when it was like their, you know, their core guys are getting older. Kopitar and Dowdy, they're getting a little bit older. Uh, but they have a crop of young guys that are coming up um to kind of like balance it out. So mm-hmm. um anyway, they're an interesting case and and they're a good team. And Tom McClellan is the coach, former the Sharks coach. There you go. Um so, yeah, that'll be a tough one. And it's a back-to-back right after Arizona on a Wednesday night. It's funny. The Sharks usually play Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays, and they're playing Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday this week. Off nights. Great for yeah. fantasy. Great for fantasy hockey. <laughs> well,
0: they've got the best two players in the league, Edmonton does, and we play them in San Jose on Friday. Uh, where are they in the standings? Are they above? Now, obviously, exactly. the Sharks above the Kings and, uh, and all them is what I'm saying. Oh, who? Edmonton.
1: Edmonton is up there. They are, uh, where are they right now? Not as high as LA. They're actually in the middle of, for the entire league, they're in the middle. Um, So they're kind of on the outside looking in, Uh, in the division. They're actually behind Calgary. Points wise they are behind Calgary. Um, Actually, they are behind them because they have the same amount of games, but they are, uh, they're on the outside looking in and it would be a shame if Connor McDavid, (laughs) and Dreisidel did not make playoffs. But uh, always a scary team. Always fun. That's that's going to be a Friday night game at the arena. That'd be pretty cool, you know, yeah. to go see against Edmonton. You've seen the best player in the world. You'll have – I mean, if you think about it another way, um was at the top? How many guys are leading the league in scoring that will be in that game? <laughs> you got McDavid, Dreisidel, and Carlson. Three yeah. guys. The timing was so perfect. <laughs> Three of the top seven scores in the NHL will be in that game on Friday.
0: Oh thank you for doing that, Super Deuce. I was gonna ask for that one more time, but you just inserted it perfectly. <laughs> I didn't even do anything. That was great. Um, Anthony Sanchez says the San Jose LA game will be on ESPN. Get ready to listen to horrible announcers. We talked about this before. Uh, we're okay with the announcers. We know it's tough for these guys. There's not the team that they normally cover. They're covering different teams all the time. And nobody seems to like uh, their name, Leah Hextall. Uh, and and I, I get it. You know, uh, we're, we're very spoiled having Randy, uh, Randy Hahn doing the play by play and uh, either Drew or, Or even uh Hedekin doing the the color, but uh I cut these guys just a little bit of slack, I think. But um oh, and we have a five dollar super chat from Edgar V. Thank you so much. Edgar it says hello from Anaheim. I tweeted you guys from the game last Friday, always at the Honda Center supporting the sharks. Well, hey, Edgar, thank you so much for being an awesome Sharks fan uh, in Anaheim. Did you now you live he lives there or he says he's always at the Honda Center? So I'm guessing he lives that direction unless you're just constantly making trips uh but yeah i mean again thank you so much for the super chat do appreciate that we've got a couple of these tonight Aaron.
1: yeah thank you guys that's amazing and uh keeps the lights on and maybe i can buy a camera that puts me in focus because this thing is just (laughs) killing me right now (laughs) hey sooner or later and
0: hopefully sooner we'll be back in studio uh we've got some some big plans we've got uh everything kind of drawn up we're just um just need to put it together. I guess it's really all it comes down to. So uh, hopefully we won't need this setup uh, very soon. So we'll see. But hey, I do appreciate you guys uh, sticking around with us as we've been kind of snotting duct taping this thing together me with my uh, USB dongle and uh, Aaron with his blurry face. So uh, thank you guys again for that. Um, last thing here, I'll be at the February 14th game for San Jose versus Pittsburgh. Hope to see you all there. Um, I, I Maybe. Are we going to be there for that one, Aaron? I don't think we're going to. I'm not probably going to be there.
2: a whole month ahead
1: now probably not okay well
0: Well, if we can make it we'll certainly let you know Kellen but uh thank you for that born and raised in the OC oh Edgar what are you doing as a Sharks fan born and raised in the OC not that I'm complaining uh but that's that's pretty amazing that you're born and raised there and that's not the team you're rooting for but there you go (laughs) okay Aaron any last second thing for anyone else here Man, it's a long one, so I think I I'll know. just let him go. <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, before we let you go, I just, again, I uh, want to say thank you so much to Graham Montgomery of Dauber Prospects for joining us, giving us a lot of good information. We got a lot of good responses in the chat. Uh, people yeah. seem to like it. They were enjoying all the information uh, from all those prospects. So, uh, please, he gave you all that information. The information will also be down in the uh, description down below there. So, if any of you guys would like to follow Graham, Especially on his Twitter account because he'll say lots of things about just prospects in general, and he's a Sharks fan. So uh, follow him there. Absolutely, a lot of fun doing it. We'll have him back on. Hopefully, Uh, I'm sure closer to like draft day, uh, something like that. So um, fail hard for Bedard. There you go. Almost (laughs) talented. (laughs) Appreciate that. Uh, We were saying tank hard for Bedard. Tank hard for Bedard. Yeah. Yeah. But fail hard works for me just as just as well, buddy okay um again thank you guys yeah no it says tinker uh, thanks again you guys do appreciate you being here in the chat appreciate the super chat you guys supporting us again if you'd like to support us and get something back head over to thefinfactor.com. we've got hats shirts sweatshirts water bottles i got it this time stickers fanny packs all kinds of crazy stuff there uh go ahead check it out do appreciate it and again if you can uh hit us with a like if you're not subscribed do that hit the notification bell you know when we're doing this awesome stuff And uh, I just really appreciate you guys. Um, No, no, I'm not going to say that on the air. And that's going to do it. So for uh, Graham Montgomery and for Super Producer Jason, I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. And we will see you guys next week. Next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at TheFinFactor and on Instagram at FinFactor. And don't
1: forget to join our live streams on YouTube. Visit our website at thefinfactor.com, where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.